Hello, Clive Carroll. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> nice to be here, Karen. Thank you so much for, for coming along to Spring Hill again. My pleasure. For, yeah. for sitting down with me. Home from home for me. Two years ago, you played here at the, the gathering. RMGA, yeah. And I, I, it was my sort of first one after a long break. Okay. I used to go to Buxton. Yep. Really had I remember to. it well. And then took a long break. So the first one I came back to was the one you played at. And I hadn't heard you play. Okay. You played on the Sunday, and right. I was scheduled to leave sort of after tea time to okay. drive up the road. And Dan sure. said to me, you fair, don't, fair trick, haven't you? you don't want to do that. He said, you've got to hear Clive. So I stayed, and I did, and I'm very, very glad that I did. All right, then. That was a great night. <laughs> it was a really great night. And since then, I, mean, I bought your CD, and I've been following you since listening to your music and just being mesmerised right. and inspired and... Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, oh, and then last thanks. year, Will McNichol was here. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a chat on the okay. mic, and he spoke very highly of you and your, your mentorship and everything Yeah, last year he put out an album, I can't quite remember the title, Butterflies Bumblebees and Bumblebees and, and Frogs. Hordes of Locusts or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that oh, was a nice, it was a lovely project, you know. Yeah. Um, Dragonflies, that's it, wasn't it? Yeah, bumblebees, bumblebees and dragonflies and, and frogs or something it? else yeah it's good music it's, it's very good music. yeah he brought a whole bunch of tracks to me and it, i think he wanted me to act as a kind of producer but really i you know i just helped very little to be honest right. know, it was kind of almost perfect when he arrived i suggested a few tweaks and then he just went away and practiced them and then five se- seconds later he came back and played it all perfectly good so yeah I think he was happy with the results, you know. Yeah, and um, he's been it, doing great. Interesting pieces, and yeah, yeah. So I've I've heard you talk about your your past. You had a musical family, right? You grew up with folk yeah. music, was it? Um, as well, yeah, all sorts of stuff, really. My mum's from County Clare, so oh, she was brought okay. up in that kind of show band world, as well as the Irish traditional music circuit. So um, as a kid, she learnt the accordion button accordion in actual fact one of her accordions is made from the back of a chair <laughs> <laughs> and my dad is from Essex he played he was he's been dead for over 10 years now but he played the Bowron mm-hmm. and the claw hammer banjo style he loved tinkering with repair work he made my first banjo for me when I was two though I don't remember it probably just walked on it or something but I still have it it's about this big and I have it hanging on the wall it's playable stays in tune and he also made amps for, you know, for electric guitars. Okay. And he made the, yeah, there was a band, right? So there was my mum, dad, my sister, myself, and we had a, a drummer called Graham mm-hmm. as well. And he kind of did backing vocals too. He came from more of a rock and roll background and he liked to smoke a lot, you know. When we were kids, we played in pubs and clubs. Yeah. And that's, So how old that, would you have been? Oh, like eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah, picked up a few chords. And we were learning all the Irish traditional songs like Danny Boy, Whiskey in the Jar, uh, Leaving of Liverpool, uh-huh. you know, I'll Tell Me Ma, Forty <laughs> Shades of Green, Fields of Ath and Rye, the, the Works, yeah. Grace, The Town I Love So Well, all that kind of stuff, you know. And then some country hits too. Uh, but Graham was hysterical, the drummer, because um, 
it was in the times where everyone just like, you know, puffed like chimneys, right? Mm. And there's my sister and myself. I mean, who knows if we've got any damage? You know, hopefully <laughs> not. But we certainly inhaled many cubic litres of uh, stale cigarette smoke. Mm. Um, and he smoked as well. But we enjoyed, you know, we got into pe- people like Chuck Berry. Right. When we, like my sister and myself, turned like, you know, 10, 11 kind of time. And we got given electric guitars. And I'd start the riff, the classic Chuck riff to Johnny Be Good. And then he would come in, you know, he'd be lighting up a cigarette and I go, and that's it. And then we'd have these extended solos. And part of the reason why we extended the solos is because we enjoyed watching his cigarette get shorter and shorter and shorter. And the smoke was coming out of his nose and like his ears or something. And by the end of the song, he'd exhale and there'd be just plumes of smoke coming out because he didn't want to take it out of his mouth. So. Yeah, that was good fun. Good ear training, I guess, because well, you know, you the chords are pretty simple. And melody as well from a lot of the sort of Irish like fiddle tunes and yeah, that's, yeah, whistle yeah, tunes yeah, and that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, they really kind of hit me, those mm. tunes. That's where I come from, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to find out where you come from. You know, from, you come from somewhere, I guess. So, yeah, it's interesting. I was talking with Dan earlier on, you know, Dan who arranges all yeah, of this. Yeah. And he... We were talking about some of your compositions and he was saying that imagine if you got a tune from Senegal that was sung by a choir and whatever it was and you were asked to arrange it and play it. He said, would it sound like Clive? And he said, well, who is Clive? So we had a really good discussion about musical influences and about the fact that you might play different genres Mm. in any given show or whatever. Whatever comes out, it's going to be you. It's yeah, to I'm in an of... interesting place geographically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, c- certainly pre-internet, you know. I think mm-hmm. we both existed pre-internet, right? We did, yes. <laughs> and uh, people from Ireland have got that culture, haven't they? You know, the, you know, all those jigs and reels and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's relatively new in the history of Irish culture, mm-hmm. but still it's there ingrained in, in their in that world and so does Scotland and those yeah. Celtic countries like Galicia and yeah. uh, America has their roots from various sources probably from you know the Outer Hebrides and Africa I guess mm. um, but maybe the reason the Beatles were so successful they were there at the right place at the right time you know yeah. well you know what is English traditional music well there, 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 are, there are folk tunes. There's, you know, there's, you know, Martin Carthy. Martin Carthy. I mean, the tunes are there. Sea shanties. Yeah, but it doesn't quite do it for me the same as an Irish melody does. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the whole of Ireland was just, you know, ecstatic at the thought of river dance becoming an international sensation. I just can't see that happening with English Morris dancing. <laughs> so instead of embracing our own culture i guess we've just been beg begging borrowing and stealing as they say from various other cultures and you know there are a lot of irish immigrants landing into liverpool then you've got all the blues early rock rock and roll skiffle stuff as well that area was just the hub you know no wonder some of the most memorable melodies ever created come from that area and for me now i mean things have changed that's why i mentioned the internet you know just you can be immediately influenced by anything from an early age. Yeah, that's very true. Mm. Before I, yeah, before I had to go to 
Oh yeah, right. Growing up, yeah, she's with, a multi instrumentalist, right? Yeah, and she she learns stuff from YouTube. Yeah, you know, sure. The idea of an album, what? Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, people can't be bothered with albums these days, can they? Yeah. Walking around with music on her phone, just listen to the speaker. Yeah, like, I know. And how much do people spend going into, you know, Abbey Road to get their album mastered? <laughs> it's just going to be pumped through an iPhone anyway, isn't it? I know, yeah. yeah. That's the good thing about vinyl, I guess. You can't play it in the car. You, know, you have to actually sit down and listen to it. And the chances are it's going to be played through some decent speakers. Yeah, that's it. vinyl is definitely on the rise, isn't yeah, it? it is. Do good you publish your, your albums? Uh, I thought about it, but I just, you know, I'm a bit disorganised, I guess, so. Just haven't done it, but I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. must travel a lot with your music, I presume. Touring and... I do travel workshops. a lot, yeah. Last year was really pretty exhausting. And I kind of vowed, well, I said it at the, at the end of that tour, that I might start to slow up a smidge. Mm. Because I played everywhere from California to China. Wow. And, you know, it's just the time zones. Yeah, I, mean, I remember I was playing in, like... At the Kaufman camp in Maryville, Tennessee, pronounced pronounced Merville. I went Merville. to one of them. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was there just last week before last. Okay. Yeah, and then so it's around about this time. Yeah, I went straight from Merville. Yeah. To Changsha in the Hunan <laughs> region. <laughs> so that's like the opposite side of the world when you're from going from Tennessee to yeah. South Central China. And then after that, I was uh, working at the Swananoa Gathering in North Carolina. I know the one. I haven't yeah. been to that one. Yeah, that's a fabulous place to study if you're in, anyone's interested in a residential summer course. Yeah. Um, and then back to England, then I was up to Germany and France and Belgium. And I've got, yeah, up to Scotland. I mean, yeah, I came up to Scotland, Scotland and then... Some other place. I mean, it was just too much. You can't even keep yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's good if you do it in blocks, but, you know, I'm grateful for the work I'm offered. Uh, yeah. Which means that I kind of take it, and it's difficult to say no. And that when you're sitting in your armchair at home, you think, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> when you actually live it, yeah, it's completely cool. exhausting, you know. When you get to a level that, you know, some of these extremely famous players are at, then you can pick and choose where and when you want to play, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I saw you on a American guitar store. You were on a video playing some vintage Martins. 1930s. Oh, yeah, that was in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, Emerald City Guitars right. in Seattle. And uh, you talked a bit there and you played some Irish music, which was, um, which was great. What did I play? Yeah, I was... Uh, Catherine Kelly's, I think you played. Or Kate Kelly's. Or... It was a slow one. Uh, the Wild Geese. Yeah, yeah. I played the Wild Geese, which is about the, fl the you know the flight of the Earls, the Irish being hunted out of their own country. Yeah, and I ran that into the Cavalry March of the O'Sullivans. Yeah, that I think it's one that I know as Catherine okay. Kelly's. Oh, okay, well, maybe yeah. A lot yeah, of these tunes yeah. have got multiple titles. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't know the title for years, and I thought I'd better do a bit of right. research. I think I heard maybe the Chieftains play it. Okay. So I think it opens one of their albums and they call it Cavalry March to the Southern so I'll stick right. with that, you know. Uh, and that, So that was on a newish Martin guitar, a larger body guitar. Mm. And then they gave me this, well, they gave me another guitar, but it, it, it was a brand new, very expensive instrument. But mm. Some guitars just sound horrible. <laughs> That's very so true. I, thought, I really wanted, you know, 
do something decent whilst I'm here. So they went to their special kind of glass cabinet section and pulled out a $40,000 pre-war Martin for me, which appeared to be satisfactory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I played an old Mingus tune on it. Aye. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So you're playing Ralph Bounds guitars just now? Same old one. Same old one. Yeah, I've got two Bound guitars, both OMs. And I love, you know, so for the purposes of what I do, you know, I, I can usually only afford to tour with one guitar. Mm-hmm. So the OM kind of, you know, is a multi-purpose instrument. Yeah. Yeah. That's got a great sound. It's oh, a beautiful yeah. guitar. Yeah, certainly played in. Yeah. It's got loads of splits on it. It's bashed up and the pickup system keeps breaking. Oh, gosh. There was one time when it broke in Santa Cruz when I was touring around the place with um, Tommy Emmanuel. And we ended up putting the guitar into a repair shop and I played my concert on Tommy's main guitar. Right. And then as soon as I got off, we just, you know, got the pliers out, just went snip, 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 cut all the strings off, ripped them out and put a brand new set of strings on. Then he went straight on and did his gig <laughs> on the same guitar. Wow. But it was kind of funny because, you know, my the music I write is, is kind of contrasting to his style, which is maybe a reason why he likes to have me on the road sometimes, mm. I guess. I don't know. But um, my Elizabethan loop music, instead of sounding kind of delicate and intimate <laughs> through his guitar, it sounded like an ACDC concert. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, I'll say about you playing, one of the things that stood out to me was how much tone you can wring from a guitar. The way you move, you move your body, oh, yeah. a sort of fulcrum, and there's a lot of oh, movement yeah. there, but the tone is just exquisite. Well, Oh, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's just delightful. Well, yeah, just trying to create yeah. what I hear in my head, I guess. So you when know. you're composing, then, Clive, do you compose in your head, or do you compose on the guitar, or do you do something different? It's a mixture, mixture of all sorts. There's a lovely little Persian rug in this room, and I'm fortunate to have something not too dissimilar in my house. And I start at one corner, and I just walk around the edge of it singing melodies right on my own yeah it's kind of like rocking to and fro in a wheelchair in a rocking chair but uh this is my version just keep going round and round and round when i've got a few hours to myself and eventually you kind of get into this i don't know like a not a hypnotic state but you start to really focus on what you want to say mm-hmm. writing music for film and the telly really helps because you have to make sure it supports the visual and the script so do you do that with the visuals in front of I you? I do that know? sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But when, you, when you're doing it for yourself, you know, it's, you, you put every ounce of effort and, you know, your whole being into it. And when, when you're going through that process, you've, you're looking for melody, are you hearing harmony and rhythm? Yeah. And oh, maybe sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... I find it difficult just to sit down with my guitar or you know, I play the piano as well. I just sit down and think, all right, let's write something today. You know, it doesn't work like that for me. I start creating some kind of foundation first. So, mm. you know, I want to write something that has a kind of, uh, you know, a hypnotic sound. So, you know, what, what hypnotic device, compositional devices can I think up of, you know? So immediately I'm thinking about just a kind of rocking groove or something, not too many harmonies. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know, you've got something happening, but not too much. And so it sounds hypnotic, right? And then mm. try and, you know, sit a melody over the top of that. So I might get a groove in my head, 
And then I'll spend the next week or two or year or two sometimes trying to work up a melody that fits. The thing is that when you're writing for yourself, you want the melodies to sound as free and easy as possible, if you know what I mean. Not forced. Right. They can't, yeah, if they sound forced, then okay. they just, they'll just never work. You know, they need they need to come they need to flow naturally. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. So, but when you're writing to film, you know, the director says, you know, here's the film. It's all been locked in. I need it by Friday. Then you haven't got time to wait for. <laughs> yeah, sure. Inspiration. You know, you just bring out your toolbox. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And when you have a melody, you've got something you want to take to the guitar. Yeah. What's the first step? Well, let's talk about tunings. How do you yeah, well, tune? Yeah, well, I love tune, you know, different tunings on the guitar. Yeah. I've got a, f- a handful of tunings that I use quite regularly. But usually I'm thinking about the piece first. So if you can sing the melody, it works. If you can't sing it, bin it. <laughs> if you're writing yeah. in that s- sound world. You know, if you're writing some kind of textural music that has no melody, then that's a completely different way of write- composing, you know. But if you're writing something kind of tuneful, yeah, yeah, you've got to be able to sing it. Then it'll work on any instrument. Yeah. Um, then I might mess around on the guitar, just you know, just to have it there or the piano, something, just to get the chords right. And after that, melody and the chords have been written. You know, things can still change, but at least I've got something to work from. And then I think about the actual orchestration. You know, or I suppose yeah, the arrangement on the guitar. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing how different it can sound, you know, from just you know, a simple melody on the first couple of strings and playing it over the chord of C to putting the guitar into C tuning and having some right. like suspended strings and things, you know, and the sounds and that can transform a piece. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's good to, I, I like to have the piece written and then the next task is to create the arrangement. I find it hard to compose the melody the harmonies, the structure, and arrange it on the guitar all at the same time. Hmm. Uh, do you have tunes that you just wake up with? Yeah. Um, yeah you feel I'm, like you didn't write them? I'm pretty quick with tunes. Yeah, yeah. Melodies, yeah. yeah. can come up with them straight away. You know, the famous story of Paul McCartney playing yesterday and asking the rest of them, have you heard this before? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Didn't realise he'd written it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't it have a, a different lyric as well? I think it was Scrambled Eggs. Scrambled Eggs, eggs that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what about lyrics? Do you ever I'm useless at it. Yeah. Um, you know, you see these productions where you have, like, you know, words and music by such and such and such and such. You know, I'm the music person. Uh, okay. I just can't do lyrics. Yeah, I'd love to collaborate with a lyricist sometime, you know. Yeah. It might happen. But it's interesting. I'm kind of. I'm kind of the same. Yeah. I've tried many times, and I've written one song that I was reasonably proud of, yeah. which was a sort of friend of mine died, and I okay. I was inspired to write a song sure. from, sure. and that got me thinking about because I've always labelled myself as the music guy. Yeah, I wonder if that's actually true, or if I could oh, right. persuade myself. I you could do it if you try. You know, you've got to really want. I mean, I've got to really want to do it, but I don't feel that yet. Yeah. Got too much to say without any lyrics. Well, I have to say, you know, having, having said that, well, you know, I do know some songs and I have learned some li- lyrics to songs and they really, you know, torture me as well. You know, some <laughs> great songs, you know. What about then when you're listening to music? Do you listen to music first or do you 
I listen to all I listen to all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the, the lyrics if they really hit me, yeah, oh, you know, mm-hmm. that's you know a beautiful turn of phrase or something, and you know, and it works well with that melody. It's, yeah, I mean, I find it's music first. If that doesn't grab me, then I won't even have heard the lyrics. It's not a conscious yeah, thing. Yeah, sure, sure. It's just kind of how my mind. Yeah, works. something that springs to mind is like hearing the album Pink Moon for the first time. Nick Drake. It's pretty devastating, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh. Aye. Yeah, and Five Leaves Left. Is that the one famous but a fruit tree? Oh, yeah, the last track. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I listen to all sorts of stuff. Everything from early, early 14th century music right the way through to. Right. To. Actually, everything. To Stormzy. <laughs> yeah. I, I have think that's twice to... you've mentioned Stormzy today. Yeah, I, yeah, well, I remember hearing him quite a few years ago on Radio 1, like a late night thing. Uh, it was like a Lee Westwood thing or something like that. And it was just totally mental. You know, the fluency of the guy was quite extraordinary. I've, I'm going to have to look him up. Yeah, I was, I've. I've I've, I've been tapping him up since. <laughs> yeah. Um, and lots of other people. I'm listening to a band called Charming Hostess right now. There's a fantastic mm-hmm. album called Punch that people should check out. I've been listening to The Cardiacs, Tim Smith's The Cardiacs, who mm-hmm. don't exist anymore, unfortunately, because the, 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 the main creator, Tim Smith, had a heart attack, as far as I know. Right. So... Well, I'm getting it all tonight. I ended up, yeah, I ended up just, you know, you, you can support them by buying stuff from their website. So I, I bought T-shirts from the family and a right. bunch of CDs. You know. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Organa music. Oliver Nusson music from a puppet court. So sort of puzzle music. So when you said everything, you yeah. actually meant everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loads of, lo- yeah, real v- vast array of styles. And listen to, you know, lots of guitar music as well, you know. Listen to quite a lot of. Pat Matheny stuff right now. Right. Yeah. Bit of Lightning Hopkins. Shotgun mm-hmm. Blues. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, yeah. yeah. The 16th century lute music, did you say? Um, 16th, yeah, late late 16th century. Early, like John Dowland, that kind of stuff. William Byrd. John Renborn was into that kind of music, wasn't he? Renaissance music. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was reading about it at school. Ah, uh. Yeah, okay. he was fascinated at school, and he used to read. He used to make up stories to tell to his half sister Rebecca, and uh, he used to be Sir John a lot. Yeah, of Merry England. Yeah, yeah. He enjoyed making up stories. I think even right up till the days before he died, I should imagine he he would have been jotting down ideas and things. Yeah, he had. An A4 jotter pad on the road always, and he was petrified of flying, so he used to write down ideas and thoughts and just like free thought and poetry, stories from the road, all that kind of stuff. And uh, when I visited his place one time in the Scottish Borders, there yeah. there were A4 jotter pad- pads from the floor almost up to shoulder height. <laughs> I'd love to know where they are and what's in them, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not for me to go prying, but man, wouldn't we all like to read some of those stories from Absolutely. the late 60s, early 70s, especially, yeah. you know, the Pentangle years. Uh-huh. All the Bert and John stuff going on. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You played with John quite a lot, didn't you? Yeah, I opened up for him in my local folk club back uh-huh. in Essex. And he 
was very kind to me and offered to help if he could. And I ended up recording my first album under the old Bridge Music record label, which is run by Chris Newman. I know Chris Newman. He's taught at Kaufman Camp. He has, indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he's just one of the greatest flat pickers you'll ever hear. Yeah, Yeah, beautiful rhythm. That kind of, you know, the the fundamental rhythm is really solid with the tune over the top, even if he's got no backing. So, yeah, I'm a really real fan of his picking style. And, yeah, so himself and and Moirin Hasig, his partner, who she plays the lever harp. Oh. Yeah, they, they run this label. So I went up to their place in Ilkley in West Yorkshire. When I was about 23, which is over, just over 20 years ago now, which is a bit of a shock. <laughs> and I put about, I don't know, 16 tracks together, sent it to John Renborn, asked if he'd write you know, some sleeve notes for it. And when he was flying over to America one time, he probably wrote it in one of those A4 jotters. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah. yeah. So he typed it up, sent it across... And I'm eternally grateful for his contribution to the first record. It really helped that it had his name on it. Yeah. And he gave me some very lovely quotes that um, I'll be eternally grateful for too. Sure. Yeah. 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 He endorsed Tony McManus as the best Celtic guitar player ever or something. Yeah, right. I've been a fan I of Tony's. I can understand why. For years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at Kaufman Camp the year I went. Oh, which was 2005. Five, okay, okay. And I did the fortnight because I'd gone such a long way. Yeah. And I did two weeks of flat picking, which yeah. was just brilliant. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Um, the last time I met McManus was about a year ago in Swananoa, you know, the other ah, camp. Yeah, yeah. About, I don't know, two, three hours east of Maryville. And as soon as I saw him, he's coming out with the one-liners already. And the first thing, he, first thing he said to me is, what do you get if you cross a hurdy-gurdy with a chainsaw? Now, what's the difference between a hurdy-gurdy and a chainsaw? And the answer is vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> and you see him everywhere. You know, he's he just everywhere. Around, yeah, you know. he comes to Scotland a lot. God, you think place. I work hard, but you see, I mean, I could be wandering through some random airport on a tour and you'll always see him talking about us in a heap with a pile of bags and... TDs and a few guitars. Yeah, I don't know if he manages. He? Gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he works really hard. Did you ever play with Bert Jansch at all? Uh, I didn't play with him, but I met him a few times. Yeah. The first time I met him was at the Customs House in South Shields, near Newcastle. Right. And the bill was myself, Bert, yeah, Bert Jansch. I keep Janch. pronouncing it wrong. You know. uh, yeah, yeah it's not Bert Jansch, it's Bert Jansch, apparently. Uh, I just called him Bert. Right. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry to say, and uh, the other guitar player was Pierre Ben Susan. Oh, yeah, nice bill. Yeah, it was pretty handy, you know. Yeah. So we all sat in the green room, wondering, you know, what the running order was, and I just said, you know, I am going first. Yeah. <laughs> so I just went on there, and, and uh, I don't think Bert had played for quite a while, so people were really looking forward to the return mm. of the of the legend, you know. And he delivered a pretty formidable set. And so did Pierre, you know. There's a whole bunch of stories attached to that event. But uh, anyway, I enjoyed the time backstage with him. And I also heard a lot about him through John Renborn. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and I played a lot of Bert's parts. Okay. So That'd when be... I've toured with John, it would be, you know, I'd do, whatever, you know, 40 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. There'd be a little break. John would do about an hour and 15. And he always liked arranging he had a desk at home and he, he liked to play the nylon string quite a lot. Okay. 
whenever you go around there, he'd have that landscape A3 paper and he'd be working quite a lot of the time on ensemble music, you know, anything from guitar duets through to recorder or choir ensembles mm-hmm. and things, yeah. So he'd be digging out parts that he wrote for Bert way back when. And I can I can sight read, right? Yeah. So I think he kind of liked that. You know, here, have a go at this. And perhaps it, it was good for him as well to hear these pieces he hadn't played, I guess, for 30 years. Yeah, yeah, for hours. So at the end of the set of an evening, we do things like um, Lady Nothing's Toy Puff. Yeah. You know that one? It's got the high do, yeah. harmony. Uh, Orlando. You know that one? Not sure. Uh, uh, I think it's on the Burton John album. And then, uh, what else did we do? So Clear. Mm-hmm. Do you know that piece? Yeah. I think Pentangle covered that as well. Yeah. yeah. I do have the Burton John album. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I will know them. Yeah. It's my claim to fame is that I played John Remborn on that Go ball that's on the front of that album. The one? Yeah. He really Conley said, I don't yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, Selling yeah. drugs or something. Oh, man. He hammered me as well. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, he had, he had the mind for it. A lot of practice. Well, speaking of that, Billy Conley, when he made that quip, was on the Acoustic Roots documentary, which I think was 92. Mm-hmm. And that was the actual thing that sent me to the guitar shop oh, yeah? to get my first guitar. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. It was Wiz Jones came on and played Angie, and I was just like, what yeah. am I hearing? Yeah. And yeah. I caught it by chance. It was just... Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Flicking channels. Yeah. You know? I couldn't imagine what it must have been like to hear Davy Graham playing Angie in like the Cousins Club or something. I mean, playing two parts at once certainly isn't a new thing. Mm. You know, pickers were doing it in you know the late fourteen hundreds, you know, mid fifteen hundreds, and so on. But you know, you only have to listen to a, a, a you know part of a bark suite, and it's pretty formidable. But mm-hmm. I guess in the folk world, to hear a kind of separate descending bass line from all the boom chick stuff that preceded it was a bit of an eye opener. Mm. Well, I'm Davey, guessing. Davy Graham brought some. Music from North Africa, didn't he? Some yeah, there's rhythms. a quote from Rimborn, isn't there? You know, the rest of us had our sights on Brighton Pier. <laughs> Davies had his set on Persia. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bert was influenced by a lot of the American blues guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brownie yeah. McGee. Yeah, Bill Brun. Yeah, some of them came here, right? Yeah, they came over on the boat. Yeah, it must have been great to see it. First hand, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. imagine what London must have been like at, at that time. I know, sure, sure. And this whole thing was just bubbling around the folk clubs. And it feels a little bit like that now. It was mm-hmm. Acoustic Uprising that was published a couple of years ago, the documentary. And the, the young sort of generation of modern fingerstyle players. I guess so, yeah, yeah. yeah there can be some similarities there. But, yeah. yeah. But now we've got the internet as the meeting ground, so... There's sure. no smoky clubs anymore. It's, no, no, no. Still seeing it, seeing it in person is still the best, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, I remember playing down in a place called Rockport, which is near Corpus Christi by the Gulf of Mexico with John Ramble one time. Oh. And we went to the organiser's house afterwards. And he lived way out there. I don't think anyone troubled them. They were in such a remote, remote location. Not too well off either, I don't think, you know. A lot of humidity and the smell of gas and everyone from the gig came back to the party and everything. Mm. And I tell you, this bloke picked up an old F-hole Epiphone and his wife sang. And that was, for me, that was the real deal. In the the deep south hearing some raw blues. Awesome. And I I stole some ideas from that night that I'm still using in my set now. Mm. Yeah. 
I had that. I went to Atlanta. I used to go over to a, a guitar gathering. Yeah. Run by a friend of mine who, who I met online, basically. Okay. It was mostly Americans that came to it. A few Brits. But we, because I used to fly in on the Thursday night, so I was one of the first. And he would take me into downtown Atlanta to okay. this club called Northside Tavern. Okay. And you'd get some authentic sort of Atlanta blues in there. Yeah, it sure. Was really, it was really special. Cool, cool. Yeah. yeah, the attic. That's another nice venue in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. So you know Northside then? I was in Atlanta about two weeks ago. Ah. Yeah. Played a concert down there. Yeah. Wow. Drove down. Drove down from the Smoky Mountains. Because I bet it's East hot Tennessee. there just now. What's that? I bet it's hot there now. Oh yeah. Humid. Holy moly! It's like forty-five degrees and ninety percent humidity or more. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. You're travelling with guitars that soak that up. Yeah. You? Sure. Sure. I went to the Ralph Stanley Museum as well. Wow. Which is like, it's in Virginia, but it's like the other side of the Shenandoah Valley and just down a little bit near a place called Wise. And I tell you, there's something special up in those mountains. You know, they're all a bit feral or something. But you, you, the music kind of sounds a bit different when you're up there somehow. Yeah. yeah can't quite explain it. Well, a lot of sort of Scottish and Irish music that ended uh, yeah, up around right. sort of the Appalachian region. And sure, sure. And when people moved there centuries ago, yeah, or, well, not that long ago, really, but um, they were pretty isolated, mm. weren't they? You know, just stuck on top of a mountain and just told to get on with it. You know, yeah. no massive road network. And so you have all these, like, regional music styles and variations upon the traditional yeah. tunes from the British Isles. And Nova Scotia got the, the Shetland style, didn't it? I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. New Scotland. Aye. Yeah. And then you get the um, Cajun music. Yeah, we did go to Louisiana. Oh, did you? When I was just about to start university, I went yeah. off. 21 years old. Okay. 4th of July, New Orleans. Whoa. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, yeah, sure. Just mind-blowing. Hmm. So they came, they came from Arcadia, right? And then they, 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 sure. they, yeah, they were they were forced to, they were, they were, yeah they were forced to leave, so they went down to the deep south and the southerners didn't pr- pronounce it Arcadia they just called it Cajun Cajun Cajun. Oh right, I never so knew that. It, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Fancy that. Good stuff. Yeah. In fact, I learned how to play the Cajun triangle via YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I was working on a project for a film one time, and I needed this kind of vibe, so I got. Uh, a friend of mine playing a kind of button accordion, just hammering it. It wasn't. You know, have you ever heard of an Cajun accordion in real life? Don't know. Oh, I have. They're deafening. No. Yeah, 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 really overpowering. You know. So um, anyway, I just got him to, you know, just give it a bit of welly, yeah. and uh, I play a bit of fiddle, but it's really bad. And my friend of mine is like, you know, used to play for the London Philharmonic, and the two of us together sounded about right. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of Balfour Brothers vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, the guitar part's fairly straight, but, you know, a key part is the Cajun triangle. And the triangle is not like an orchestral triangle. It's like this, you know, made out of a fence post, metal fence rod. Right. Yeah, you just chop a bit off the end and you bend the rest of it into three. And then you can kind of hold it and release it to get Percussive yeah. But in the studio, it was slap, there was a slap back off the walls. So I climbed into a wardrobe and put duvets over the doors. And I wondered what my life was coming to as I had headphones, a Cajun triangle, boiling hot in the wardrobe, going, like three hours. Wow. Yeah. You ever been to Cuba? 
No, I'd love to go there. No. Yeah, yeah. They say it's changing now, a lot of the old traditions. I know, yeah, am I missing it? I feel I missed all the kind of Transylvania mountain stuff as well. You know, yeah. all that kind of Roman, uh, Romanian gypsy folk music. Right. I don't know if that's still going on. But I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to go to Cuba and down into South America as well. Yeah. If I can. Yeah, I'd love to go to Argentina and hear the Piazzo La Tango firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. yeah. So much music, so little time, isn't there? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, when you're writing music, you have to be very specific about what you want to say, otherwise it all starts to sound the same. Yeah, but I mean, I think the whole idea of self-expression is something I'm beginning to become comfortable with now Okay. in my own music. So <clears throat> I have come up with some compositions and some things have just come to me that yeah. um, I actually started to perform them. Oh, cool. I had the confidence to, to do that. In fact, last year was the first time I'd performed a particular piece and you know the plucky dip yep. that goes on I think yep. you're you're down for that oh actually. yeah uh, your name went in oh, the hat actually yeah. right. and fair enough I can't remember who you're with Dan has the list alright alright okay uh, last year I was picked with Gordon Giltrap mm-hmm. who's you know sure what did you play I played my own composition oh, right. and he backed you up and he backed me up and it nice. was what a moment yeah, yeah it's good isn't it so it's given me a real confidence and Believing that I can express what's in me, yeah, yeah, and not be fearful of how it gets judged or oh, who cares? You know, just don't give a monkey's about that. As long as yeah. you, as long as you mean it, that's all that matters. Yeah, and it's if you feeling, yeah, yeah, just write what you feel, and if it works for you, it's going to come across that way too. Yeah, and you it know. did. It yeah, really did that Good. time. It was special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you try and force something, it will never come across right. It never feel right. Yeah, I had a good talk with Dan about that earlier. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Okay. had so many great discussions this weekend. Oh, yeah? the, you know, to come here as a guitar player for a weekend and leave the family at home, it's just like, you know. Yeah, so, sometimes you need that space, don't you? It's just amazing. Yeah, it's hard to write music when, you know, in your home environment. Yeah. I've got a friend, actually, he lives in a kind of nice place, but it's kind of, it's small. And he hasn't got space for a, a workshop or, or you know or a, a work room within the house so across the courtyard he just bought a one room <laughs> it's one room i'm not sure if, even, if it's got any windows i think it's just got like a bare light bulb you know but it's just that process of leaving the house going for a quick walk or a cup of tea in a cafe yeah. or something and then coming back and going to that room then you're in work mode yeah yeah i i can't do it so well at home Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Though I do use the the the, the, the rug. Persian rug. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I just go walking in the fields as well with dictaphone. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sing a bunch of ideas, play it back, and then see if anything really clicked. I was going to say you should have a dog, but I guess you're travelling so much. Yeah, no. It's just I, I, I just wander about the fields in r- north rural Essex. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the first to have done that. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Gustav Holst lived nearby. The oh, guy who wrote guy. the planets. I know, yeah, he, yeah. he lived in a from uh, nineteen eighteen to twenty five, something like that, in Thaxted, which is one of the homes of English Morris dancing. Actually, right. yeah. yeah. So you could literally be walking in Holst's footsteps, then. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I used to walk there with Rafe Vaughan Williams. Mm. Yeah. They both just going for. A, well, they didn't. Neither of them enjoyed walking, but I think they just like being with each other and having a bit of a chat. 
Yeah. 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 Just getting away from everything. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So have you got new material coming out soon that we can look forward um, to? The latest piece I've written is for a guitar, you know, the RGT acoustic guitar syllabus? No. It's a, you know, in classical music, you, when you, you know, you're studying, you can do like your grade one or your yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, up to grade eight. And there's one called RGT, that's by like the London College of Music, I think. And they asked me to write a piece for the grade eight syllabus. Okay. So that was my brief. It's nice to have a brief. Yeah, you know, uh, they already had uh, like a, maybe like a Celtic piece and a folky sound in tune, and they needed contrasting work. So they suggested a kind of bluesy, jazzy kind of thing, you know, an American sounding tune. Right. So not in the deep then. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's just, that's a tough one. That's a tough. It one. sounds simple, but it's bit it's bit tough on the fretboard yeah you can yeah. tell okay yeah. <laughs> uh, so the first person I turned turn towards was Jerry Reed okay yeah. yeah so I wanted to write something in that kind of vein kind of thumb picking style yeah kind of so yeah he's a, he was a kind of funky player he was a bit different to the other country players cause he, instead of it being a kind of quick step he liked the more, more of the kind of funk angle mm-hmm. so you know the claw for example by Jerry Reed it's one of his big hits Start it's an iconic opening riff on a nylon string guitar he played. Um, the uh, the top two strings were doubled for the most part. Right. The first and second strings were always kind of played at the same time because he liked to join these two fingers together like that. His technique was kind of like that, well, almost like a claw. Yeah. So Chet Atkins nicknamed him the claw or right. that piece the claw or something. Uh, so when you hear his music, you'll hear thumb index and then those two together and they're always together those like the third and second string or second and first string yeah and it's a real groovy style you know so that was my brief write something that was about grade eight level and sounds a bit like it was was a nod to jerry reed nice yeah so we'll need to sign up for the course then to, <laughs> oh, to I just, learn that yeah, one. Yeah, it's printed in their book, in their syllabus. Right. So, yeah. yeah, pick it up. Great. Yeah. Any travel plans coming up soon after this? Uh, what month is it? It's just coming into yeah, July. It's beginning of July, yeah. So I'm um, back to America for the Swannanoa gathering in North Carolina okay. at the end of July. A lot of Scots in North Carolina. Certainly are. Mm. Yeah, lots of Scots, lots of history. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, rich <laughs> landowners <laughs> bringing their music from the Outer Hebrides to yeah. to rural America. It's probably how the blues was formed, right? I reckon. Could be. Yeah. Well, if you listen to all that Gaelic psalm singing from the Isle of Lewis, for example, you hear there are a few melodies within that Free Church of Scotland world. You know, classic ones like the Dundee. Right. Yeah, and there's some French ones in there. Uh, the melodies are kind of pentatonic, but they have these ornaments in them that the presenter would have orated to the yeah the congregation. Have you heard that stuff? Not really. So, no. Okay, so they start with, like, in, in America, they call it liner music, lining. So they it's for people who can't who couldn't read or write. So they sing the first line, and then the f- people in the front pews would start off, but then it would gradually work its way to the back of the church. But by the time the people in the last few pews were singing that line, the, the presenter had already 
started the next line. Okay. So you get so this kind of wave. real wave sound. Yeah. yeah, it's quite haunting. It's quite eerie. But those pentatonic ideas with that ornamentation was injected into the southern states. Right. And I think that if you couple... This is my own theory. I reckon if you couple that with African rhythm... Mm, slave rhythm then you've got a kind of blues vibe right there must be something in there you could write a paper on that oh, I'm sure yeah, or someone could someone could yeah I'm not clever enough <laughs> <laughs> so if Swan and Noah then you've got what's after that uh, yeah so that's that's um, in July yeah, into August and then I come back and I'm going to Germany yeah I play in uh, southwest Germany Germany's a great place for me Good. The really audience is really appreciative. Loads of people that kind of come back to me with, you know, stuff they like and places they'd like me to play and stuff. You know, German. You know. Do you ever play in Luxembourg? No, no. But I really want to. I have a I contact. Had, I had an there. offer. Yeah, I could put you in touch. Yeah, with. I'd love to play. There's in a Luxembourg. cafe in the north. I mean, Luxembourg is the size of Glasgow. Sure, right, right, right. It's yeah. not a big place. Yeah, yeah. Up in the north, they've got this little cafe, mm-hmm. which. I've who have I seen there? Tony McManus, okay. Don Ross, yeah. Peter Finger, okay. Pierre so Benson. There's a bit of a hub there then. Yeah, and it's such a beautiful it's my favourite venue of all time. Okay. Oh. And uh, well, I thanks think you enjoy playing there. Yeah. yeah. Well this time in August I'm working in a place called uh Das Culture Good. And it's in a small <laughs> village called Bechtelsheim. Bechtelsheim. Um and it's near Mainz. Kind of Worms, oh, yeah. Worms Mainz area. Yeah. Uh, wine country, and actual fact, across the cobbled footpath from the concert venue is a very well-known winemaker called Brett's. Right. Yeah, some of the best red wine in the world, I think. Wow. Red wine, and it's German. See, I know that we we used to get the Moselle wine oh, yeah. in Luxembourg, and then okay. the German border, you got the white wine from the, the Moselle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Luxembourg was awesome. I yeah. lived there for seven years. Yeah. Oh, very good. There. Wow, yeah. wow. Well, after that, I head back to England, and we're in uh, Spring Hill House right now, and I hold a residential guitar workshop every year. Okay. It's a four-day course. And so You've got spaces left? No, I haven't, actually. I'm running it twice. I was really fortunate to fill the course two times. Great. Um, the whole course, it's so, yeah. Can I... Um, it sold out really quickly. Yeah, yeah, within half an hour, both <laughs> courses. Yeah, so I was really pleased about that. So you in Depeche like, Mode? Delighted, you know. Great. <laughs> and people really like coming to this place, and you know they like. The well, color. I can see why. Yeah, yes. I choose you know three or four contrasting pieces. It'd be like a you know something from the the loop world maybe, or something that's a kind of classical, or maybe a tango. So mm-hmm. you know, it was usually associated with a classical guitar, perhaps, uh, maybe a blues or jazz piece, and something slightly more modern. Then we have an arranging afternoon, yeah. and I have a special guest come in as well. After a couple of days of solid guitar workshop, people are totally destroyed. You know, so <laughs> uh, they're sitting there, kind of in a heap in the music room, and so I wheel in. Well, in the past, I've had the Gordon Gilltrap actually come in and give a demonstration, play a few pieces, and talk yeah. a, bit, a bit out of his life and. John Etheridge has been here, Ray Burley, the classical guitarist. I even had David D- Dyke one time, who's one of the UK's leading wood suppliers oh, for, right. for guitar makers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That so, sounds great. Yeah. So maybe sign up for one next yeah, year. Yeah, next year or something. Next yeah. Year. yeah, yeah. Sounds great. It's good well, fun. 
Yeah, and then after that, I have to say that um, I'm in the UK right up till Christmas, pretty much. I've got a full UK tour from September to November. Are you going to be in Ullapool this year? I'm in Ullapool, yeah, beginning yeah. of October. I'm going to try and get up to that. I yeah. haven't been to one yet. Oh, wow, well, this is year time. 20. This is year 20, so it'll be quite a, yeah. a special occasion, I guess. And There's it's after of, the midges have gone, right? October. There's nothing there. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know? I've been up there in the summer, and it's you can't really be outside after right. sundown. No, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Same on Arran, where I live. It's, is that right? Yeah. Is there any let up at all ever? If there's a breeze, that's it. Then yeah, oh, okay. you're okay. But so when is the worst time to visit the Scottish Highlands on the west side? Then about now, like June to June, August. July, August. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get a little moment in May when mm-hmm. it's warm enough to go out. Yeah, and they haven't arrived yet. Okay, okay. And then it's gone. Yeah, okay. Well, I have to say that I went to Mull in February, so it was a bit blustery. Yeah. But it's on the west side, especially, it was one of the most staggering landscapes I've ever seen. I'll need to get yeah. there. I've oh, been to yeah. Isla, and uh, yeah. I think that's the oh Sky. Sky, yeah. Sky. Oh yeah, just north of yeah. yeah. mm. Great. Well, yeah, it's a lot. Thank of you, yeah. thank you, Clive, for Not sitting down and having a chat. No. I know you must be tired after your journey. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I'm very much this. looking forward to hearing your set tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. For they. It's really nice here because I know a lot of the people sitting in the audience and it's kind of informal yeah. and I can play a few different things that I wouldn't ordinarily Excellent. chance on the I wonder public, if, public stage. Can we look yeah. forward to a late night kitchen session? Yeah, or who knows? You who know, knows? Yeah. <laughs> what happens in Spring Hill stays in Spring Hill. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you, Clive. Once Not again. at all. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah, nice um, to have met you. Great. Yeah, till next time. Mm.